What surprise is due to hit the AFC? Um, now I'm forgetting what, what division it is. I'm, I'm flashing back to the early 90s. It's the AFC North. What surprise is due to hit us there? Plus, uh, what surprise is due to hit us with the AFC West uh, quarterback play um, that I know is going to affect me in a lot of leagues and uh, I'm sure a lot of FFPC leagues as well. And Jamison Williams, yes, no, maybe, we're not sure. We're going to unpack that tonight on the Fantasy Football Players Championship High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with Brad Witten, the 14th place team in the FFPC main event heading into week eight. We've got a great show for you. I'm here. Farrell Elliott is here from the KFFSC. Stick around. Your High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts right now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you to all the Ferreliacs and Balkaholics tuning in tonight on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Welcome in. It is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship at MyFFPC.com. I am Eric Balkman, your host at Eric Balkman on the X. You can follow me on Twitter or on the X uh, there. And you can also uh, check me out at the uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network, and, of course, the Fantasy Football Players Championship. We have a BAFO show for you tonight. I know it is, uh, it's is—it's a big week for a lot of you out there. No teams on by in Week 8. Um, everybody is loading up to try to get to the championship round of both the FFPC main event and the Fantasy Pros uh, Championship here as we are we're coming up on crunch time in that. And uh, we're going to bring you Brad Witten the 14th place team owner in the FFPC main event. Uh, he's going to join us in about, um, I would say about 12 minutes or so. And then, uh, of course, we'll get the expertise of one of my favorite people in the industry and a guy that has won a boatload of cash in the FFPC, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football and the high stakes honcho over at the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship that you can check out at kffsc.com. Welcome in. Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome in, man. Uh, so glad to uh, have you aboard tonight. How's it going here on this final fantasy football weekend of October? It, it's it's wonderful. I'm glad that you've announced me as winning a boatload of uh, cash. But for honesty and journalism, that boat was very, that, you know, there's like one that you the kids would play with in the bathtub. That's the size <laughs> of the boat. Uh, the uh I have not been as uh, successful as our friend Brad, who will join us tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I think it takes something significant um, to be through seven weeks in the top 100 of the FFPC. That's a, it's a wonderful place to play from. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to learn how he got there and how, more importantly, how he's going to stay. 
I think that's the that's the issue, you know, like because we can look back on drafts. We can look back on everything that's happened um, from the course of the early September to now late October. The next time we do this show, Farrell will be in early November. Um, we are all trying to chase this. Um, well, not me, but we're all trying to chase this one million dollar grand prize in the FFPC main event. We're trying to chase this one million dollar grand prize in the Fantasy Pros Championship. And I think like I, I, I you know, when I'm crafting questions every week for our guests, I, I always want to bring up the draft, but I don't think that's as important as it was in late August and, and early September. Um, so I try to focus on stuff that is tangible for everybody else at, at this point in the season. Um, but Brad had a fantastic draft. He has had a fantastic first two months in the uh, Fantasy Football Players Championship main event. A guy that has, um, I, I, want, I don't want to say he was leading the whole thing, but I think he was close. He's in 14th place heading into week eight. And that's a great spot to be in. Farrell, as a guy who is a veteran of this, like where do you want to be at this last weekend end of October? I, I think like you just want to be in contention and, and you'll let the chips fall where they may. But I think the important thing is just to be in uh, the mix at, at this point. And I think that you can carry that over to a six or seven uh, figure grand prize at this point. That one through four designation in your division makes you or in your league makes you feel very, very good. Uh, if the playoffs ended today, you're in. Now, one of the things that I always do if I don't have a team there, I'm searching to see uh, how many points am I out of that four spot? Mm-hmm. And can I make it, can I make an argument for how my team can get there? And just you know, I think at this point in time, and one of the things that you want to do is is not hold back to go ahead and enjoy the risk. You know, we advised last week, unless you have a player at running back that can get you 12 plus and has a high ceiling, skip the idea of playing a a running back um, just off the waiver wire that you're uncertain about. If you have Christian McCaffrey, gamble and wait. And the gam- the people that did that were paid off significantly for uh, – for waiting. So, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's stand strong and keep sawing the wood, my friend. I think that, um, uh, it's important to give you props on that because I was a little skittish on waiting on McCaffrey on Monday night football. At this point last week, you said, keep the faith. Don't take a zero or you were, you were willing to take a zero in the right, right. circumstance, Farrell. And- Don't live in fear, Balky. You know, I had a, I had a nine plate, a, a nine man team. Uh, that scored the best it scored all year in this past week because I did, uh, yeah, the poor, uh, the, my maladroit system of working free agency uh, foiled me. Let's just put it that way. So <laughs> it, it uh, yes. It but, happens. You know, and, and so, you know, it's not going to kill you to go to war with nine. Um, and, and quite frankly, like, you know, McCaffrey really rewarded his, his owners, not only with one touchdown, to keep that streak alive against the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football, he got a second one as well, and and it was fantastic. And and I think like it, we always talk about this, like we do the show at a weird time every week, Friday night. Yes, we have the Friday injury reports, but stuff could come out on Saturday. Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport are always breaking stuff on on Sunday morning. So I think there's um, there's something to be said for you know holding out hope until that very last minute, you know, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time when those um, inactives are announced. Like, you want to hold out hope as long as you can. It certainly paid off for the McCaffrey owners. And I'll tell you what, it could pay off 
for another running back, not in the NFC, but the AFC, as we switch to the fantasy flash here. I am blown away by this. Jerome Ford, according to Adam Schefter, as of about nine hours ago, is listed as questionable against <laughs> the Seahawks as he is going from the mistake by the Malake in Lake Erie in Cleveland, going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. Schefter says uh, Ford surprised the Browns coaches with how well he ran yesterday. Really? He has a high ankle sprain. High ankle sprain to me means like multiple weeks at a minimum. And apparently Ford might be able to, to play against Seattle this week. Um, you, you think about Kareem Hunt. You think about, um, uh, you know, the other aspects of the Cleveland Browns offense, given that P.J. Walker is probably going to be the starting quarterback there uh, this week as, uh, as Deshaun Watson is already out. I, I don't know how to deal with this as far – like, for me, Farrell, like, I have Kareem Hunt in a, in a couple of leagues. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll play him this week. I think he's going to be okay. But now if Ford plays, this throws a massive monkey wrench into the situation. I don't – not only do I not know what to do with Jerome Ford, I don't know what to do with Kareem Hunt against Seattle this weekend. What say you? What should we be doing in the KFFSC main event, the Fantasy Football Players Championship main event, and the Fantasy Bros Championship. I'll say to my good friend Dominique here, uh, who's who's coined a new phrase. I kind of like that well, uh, in the chat room. Um, what I'm going to do is is probably look elsewhere. Not because I can't figure out this situation, because I think I have. And what I figured out is Seattle is a very very difficult defense to run against. They're even more difficult at home. They were. They were shredded early on in the season, and since then, that defense has bolted down. had a lot to do with Adams coming back, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have Hunt, that's the player that I'm going to lean to. I think Pierre Strong's activity on the field last week was more games, well, game script, as they call it, the nature of, of the nature, the unscripted nature of the game and the way that the score presented it. So we're in a situation where um, – I think Hunt gets most of the percent of snaps on the field, gets the action, and is the better pass catcher of the the, the trio of backs or the duo of backs if uh, if, if uh, the other back doesn't go. Jerome. So uh, right, and, and to that point, so if you have uh, as we speak here at ten eleven p.m. on Friday night, Farrell. Are you saying if you have Jerome Ford, you have to find a better option? Because right now I have Jerome Ford in a lot of leagues. Yeah. And yeah, it'd be nice to be able to deploy him. But understanding that every piece of information we get for the remainder of the weekend is it's in the minutia, right? Like you've got a better option because you didn't draft Jerome Ford. You acquired him. No, I didn't draft him. I didn't acquired him him on waivers. You've got a better option. So so my my point is here. Let's say we roll into 1130 on Sunday and we find out that Jerome Ford is active um, and, and we get excited as Jerome Ford owners. But I think like cooler heads should prevail here. And at this point, we're like, we understand that while Ford might play, it might not be a, a, a workload high enough for us to be able to trust him in your your lineups. And even if Ford's active, you're saying look elsewhere, right? Yeah. And the game is in Seattle. So when are you going to find out if he's available? Yeah, that's a great point. So so it's a tantalizing thing to think about Ford being active, but at the same time, you have to understand reality, and reality might dictate 
Jerome Ford on your bench, at least for week eight. We'll find out with week nine. You, you should have listened to Terp and drafted Pollard in the first round. That's exactly <laughs> what you should have done because, you know, because, um, hey, Balky, I got a couple questions for you. How old is Christian? How old is Christian McCaffrey? Top of your Christian head. Christian uh, I, I would say 25 years old. Am I yeah, wrong? He's 27. How old 27. is Ezekiel? Jesus. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's got to be coming up on age 29. Yeah, he's 28, but he might be coming up on 29. And it's, it's interesting about the Pollard thing, and I'm a, I'm a big Pollard fan. I gave I gave him away uh, for a first-round draft pick on a on a more bound uh, dynasty team. Um, At and, uh, what point did you make this trade? Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but the, I will give you a hand a, a round of applause for that. I think. Well, you, you know, and good. I think the team that took him needed another running back, and mm-hmm. you know they're not going to get one probably better than him but you know we we say on this show often why don't they play the other guy the other guy's got all the juice you know and and we heard this nowhere but nowhere was this better exemplified than the Elliot Pollard situation and I'm fans of both players uh, if you take a look at Pollard's stats this year Ezekiel last year 3.8 yards a carry Pollard through the season this year 3.9 yards a carry um seven yards per catch, only two TDs. And, you know, from a fantasy perspective at this time last year, Ezekiel had six TDs. My point is that it is always, and this goes back to our Jerome Ford and what we're talking about with Kareem Hunt, it's always good to be supporting the guy. But when you are the guy playing a tough team on the road with a backup quarterback, it's a tough call. Let's, let's, let's Let's just look for better options. Speaking of better options and speaking of quarterbacks, um, this is something that I'm battling this week. Farrell, in all my Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Leagues, which I encourage you to play at KFFSC.com, I have a ton of teams, and not a ton, that's an exaggeration. I have a significant amount of teams where I carry two quarterbacks, and they are as follows. Brock Purdy and Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. As a result... I have had to make some um, adjustments to my team to try to acquire a third quarterback this week. I was talking with in in my local um, uh, fantasy football show I do here in Northeast Wisconsin. Somebody asked me like bulky, you have fields and you have, you have Purdy. There's not a lot of quarterbacks out there. I said, well, I went after Gardner Minshew in, in a couple leagues. I got him in in a few leagues. We'll see what happens there. There were some other, like Bryce Young, I I like the matchup this week. We're going to get in that Panthers-Texans game coming up later in the show. So I got Bryce Young, I got Gardner Minshew, we'll see what happens. Um, But obviously, I want to be able to play Brock Purdy this week. Mm -hmm. According to Kyle Shanahan, there is one hurdle that Brock Purdy has to leap over in order to clear the NFL's concussion protocol. They are hopeful, the Niners are, that he is going to do it for tomorrow. Let's play devil's advocate. Let's say he doesn't. Brock Purdy misses week eight. He does not play this week. What do we do? Not only with, I mean, obviously you can't play Purdy and you got to dumpster dive at quarterback, but you think about these, some of these other, you know, um, calls that we have to make here. Um, Brandon Ayuk, I, I think is, is probably the biggest call. If Sam Darnold is tossing the rock for the, for, uh, for the 49ers this week, are we deploying Brandon Ayuk like, what are we doing with these skill position players? You can make a case for George Kittle. Obviously, you're going to be playing Christian McCaffrey because he's a stud. But I think Ayuk is interesting. If Purdy doesn't play, does Ayuk become a sit for you in your lineups this week? 
Oh, absolutely not, Balky. You're going to start every one of your 49ers just like you regularly would. Even if it's Sam Darnold. Even if it's Sam Darnold. And you are not – you know, I have I have objection to the phrase dumpster dive from a broadcast professional like you. But because I love you, I'm going to erase it like it never happened. He never said it. You know, but um, let, let's talk about Sam Darnold. You want to talk about Sam Darnold? Okay, yeah. let's, let's continue our uh, – Let's continue our trivia night here on FFPC. How many games in the NFL has Sam Darnold started? Uh, let, let's say 13. I don't know. You don't have a clue. 55 no. games this guy has started. Whoa! He started six games last year for Carolina at the end of the season when nobody was paying attention. He took that team to four and two in the games he started. He had a 350-yard game. I think it was at Tampa Bay. I know it was against Tampa Bay. Through seven touchdowns, three interceptions, Sam Darnold is getting it. And Sam Darnold is in a position to make a big difference for himself and for this team. Uh, Brock Purdy's a very good quarterback, a young quarterback. How many games has he started? Probably right at 13 or less. Uh, Darnold will be fine, and they will execute their entire offense with him. They do. They don't have to dumb down the playbook. Uh He's surrounded by superior skill position players and an excellent offensive line. He will throw the ball well from a clean pocket. And um, that's the quarterback. If you want to play Purdy, that's the quarterback you need to go get on the waiver wire. If Purdy doesn't go, you've got your answer right at game time. January 1st, 2023, the first day of the new year this past year, Sam Darnold went down to Tampa Bay, Mm. 23 of 37, 341 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, a quarterback rating of 108.1. They lost the game, but certainly it was not because of Sam Darnold. There is something to be said for that. Anybody who is thinking about deploying George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, uh, uh, put them out there right now. Now, Farrell, let's take this one, and I know we got – our guest is coming up, Brad Witten, and, and I want to get to him in a second. But let's take this one step further. Juwan Jennings, a guy who has been collecting targets – like it's a bodily function in San Francisco. Does he become a flex in the KFFSC? Does he become a secondary flex in the FFPC, knowing how involved he has been in with Kyle uh, Shanahan's offense, with or without uh, uh, Brock Purdy, becomes irrelevant? What do you do with Jawan Jennings if Sam Darnold's at quarterback this week? You're tempted to play this player, but I don't know how you got there. You know, and I, how many teams do we have on by this weekend? Zero. There you go. Zero. So I, you know, last weekend, yes. This weekend, probably no. Probably no. This weekend, Bucky, because you just, you just don't have the need. But it's a player that if he's not rostered in your league, you probably should get him rostered in your league. And you might say, well, you know, uh, other receivers, Samuel's coming back. Other, it doesn't matter if you, if you can get a talented. And this player is a talent. I like a lot of things about him. But if you can get a talented member of this team. For a just-in-case situation, as we move into week, as, as we move into week thirteen, and, and uh, you know some some bigger bye week weeks that are very important to us in, in the FFPC, then um, he's a player that I'd like to have on my roster, but not this week. You you can do that. right, and, and I think there's something to be said for that, and mm. and and I think with one, you know, we got the waiver wire coming up in the KFFPC tomorrow night at midnight. We got the waiver wire coming up in the FFPC. 10 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. So, you know, based on what we have said, what we think, um, you can use that knowledge to your advantage or not. Uh, trust me, you are but knowing Farrell Elliott, 
you are better off using that information to your advantage. Um, speaking of to your advantage, let's talk about a guy that um, who is is going to dispense some fantasy knowledge tonight that is going to help you for the second half of the season. A guy who has been a longtime player in high-stakes fantasy football, including the FFPC, a guy who sits 13 spots behind the number one spot in the FFPC main event heading into week eight for a $1 million grand prize. A guy that we are going to pick his brain tonight, figure out how he got his team to this level, how he's <laughs> going to continue to keep yeah. his team at this level, and how this team could be cashing a seven-figure grand prize come a couple of uh, months from now. Well, please welcome in the uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Brad Witten, the 14th place team owner in the FFPC main event. Brad, welcome in tonight. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Brad, what is that logo on your cap, which is being yeah. which means so, worn backwards? What is? Yeah, that? so you know, it's uh, Nuggets. So that's my team. Oh, I'm a well, you know, what are we going? I'm a do, 49er man? fan, and so the the last couple weeks have been a little hard on me emotionally. So uh-huh. uh, I had to switch to the Nuggets uh, the Nuggets hat for a few days here. Hopefully, this week things get back on track. Nuggets right. and Niners, why not? Yeah. All right, so hold yeah. on. So, so I want to flesh some some stuff out here at, at the top. So you're yeah. a Niners fan. We will get into that later on in the program. The Nuggets, like it's it's weird that you come on the same week the the NBA comes back because Brad, your Nuggets are the defending world champions. Excuse me, in the NBA right now, Nikola Jokic. That what's what's great about the Nuggets is they run the exact same play every single time down the court. Nobody in the NBA can stop it. What you have been doing this season is running the exact same philosophy in drafting and team management. And I would say nobody can stop it, but a few people have. You're still up at the top of the leaderboard right now. Congratulations to you. This is fantastic for you to see yourself at the end of October in the top 15 in the FFPC main event. Before we get into how successful a fantasy player you are, tell us what you're doing for a living when you are not living at the top of the leaderboard for a $1 million grand prize. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm actually a CPA. Um you know, so I have my own accounting and tax office, got about 10 employees. I think right now I have nine looking for the 10th. Um, so real exciting day job, you know, I crunch numbers all day. And then I come home and I crunch some more numbers in a different, uh, you know, avenue, but but a lot of numbers. Have you always been a number and stats guy? Like when you were a kid, did stats appeal to you? Like everybody's talking about, did you see that great play? That Michael Jordan did last night, and you think you know he's averaging twenty six point three points a game. Did you? Were you? Was that you? Were you that? Kid? Always. I yep. love that. I love that. Yep. I, I, I think little, that's great. So. I think it's great. Yeah, I, I still joke like I'm more likely to remember your phone number than your name. You know, you <laughs> tell me your phone number once, I'll remember it, but your name that might take me, you know, five or, or six times of uh, of talking to you. So Balky said we're going to talk about other things than the draft tonight and uh but i can't i'm still emotionally and physically located at at, at planet hollywood um uh, drafting live were you there i was not no okay I, uh, you know all right well, the next year's I, I, next you know that's all i'm saying but anyway um and and through you on your team you and i share a player that i have great affinity for and I couldn't believe that he continued to be the same bargain. 
throughout the draft. And lots of lots of fantasy players that I have deep respect for were modestly impressed by this player. They would kind of shrug their shoulder, and that's why I think he ended up uh, being in the in the seventh round. And and that's that's Michael Pittman. Um, there have been some strange games with the Indianapolis Colts this year, but Pittman is already on a pace to essentially meet what he did last year as he flirted with 100 catches. Now we have Minshew, who sometimes throws the ball 15 times a game and sometimes throws the ball 55 times a game. Pittman is an every-week start in my lineup. Is he for you, and do you think – that he will get to the hundred catches that, you know, for a seventh round, I don't know when you got him in most of your drafts, maybe bulky could tell us where he ended up, but I think he was always available in the seventh round. That's where I got him. And if I can get a hundred catches out of the seventh round, I'm a happy guy. Yeah. I mean, I think I picked him up in the seventh or eighth round. Most of the time he was the 30 to 35th wide receiver off the board. Um, and I think that's good value at, at that spot. I mean, I, I do, like his chances of getting to a hundred catches. And and honestly, I think Minshew, you know, maybe helps that case uh, a little bit. Now he's a little bit more erratic of a passer. I think Richardson was still a little bit of an unknown, you know, they like to run the ball a lot with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the, you know, the, the volume was the biggest question in my mind coming into the season. And, and uh, I still think it's going to be erratic, you know, with Minshew just last you know, three weeks, I think it's it's seven targets, 14 targets and five Mm -hmm. targets, you know? And so you sort of see the, I think that's going to continue. I mean, there's, there's going to be weeks. He, he, uh, you're glad you have him and other weeks you wonder why you played him. But um, at the same time, he's, he's going to be hard to take out of a lineup. Yeah, I think so too. And and that's the thing to look at too. Like we, we look at this player, um, a guy that was drafted significantly higher than um, maybe what we would have thought, given that he is dealing with a backup quarterback for the remainder of the season. But at the same time, <clears throat> he is going to be targeted. He is talented. Um, he is not being, well, we'll get into his threats for targets later on in the program uh, tonight for sure. But Michael Pittman is a guy that it may feel weird to start him going forward, but it just because it feels weird, it doesn't mean it's the wrong play. Uh, and I am with you. I, I think Michael Pittman is a guy that you more often than not have to find a way to get in your starting lineups. Now, I want to talk, uh, 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 and this is a sort of a wide-scoping question here, uh, Brad. Tyreek Hill was dealing with an injury, so we've been told, earlier in the week. Tua Tungavailoa, in his media session in Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember which day it was, was talking about, yeah, man, I, I can't imagine being without Tyreek Hill, like, we really want to get him back sometime down the road. And like alarm bells were going off in my mind. Like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm doing without Tyreek Hill this week because there's no way he's playing. Now fast forward to Friday afternoon. We're doing the show Friday night. He's active. He's not even on the injury report. He's going to be playing this week, um, which is great. Like, and, and, and I think a lot of your concerns with what you're going to do with Tyreek Hill were alleviated knowing that he is going to play this week. My question to you is, Flashback to the draft. What were you doing after you took Tyreek Hill in the first round? Did that um, sort of change your philosophy and change your approach on quarterback, knowing that you could wait and get Tua Tungavailoa and stack him with Tyreek Hill? Did the fact that you got Hill in the first round change that, or was Tungavailoa the right guy at the right time in this draft for you? 
Well, I, I, you know, my general philosophy is I don't, I try not to take quarterbacks before the seventh or eighth round. You know, it's just generally the way I draft. There's exceptions to that. I have a lot of teams, um, probably more than I should have. I had back <laughs> surgery this summer and I'd spent a lot of time in bed with nothing else to do but fantasy drafts. So, um, you know, but but generally when, when I saw Hill, who is my favorite pick at four, you know, it, it was always as long as the first three went as expected, Hill was always my my preference at four. And I knew I could get to a late, you know, I mean, the, he was going late and pairing him uh, with Hill was was always my option. But I, I can't say it really changed anything because really Tua and Deshaun Watson you know, we're, we're probably my two highest owned quarterbacks. Now, Deshaun, you know, probably not as, as good luck with that so far, you know, because of injuries and not playing. But uh, two has played off, paid off very well. So I can't really say it changed anything. But certainly my, uh, you know, my eyes lit up when when you can get to a, um, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Tyreek in the first, knowing that you can pair him with the quarterback and is so late in the draft, which allows you to stack other positions. I like that strategy. I like that strategy a lot. The um, Balky and I were kicking around an idea. Well, wait a minute. We got a numbers guy on the show, Balky. I got to go. Last night, Thursday night game, you watched it? Uh, Some of it, yeah. Okay. Well, the um, at the very end, trailing by eight – Tampa scored, and they elected to go for two points, which would have left them trailing by eight or trailing by six. I think the ball bounced off some, something from the uh, from the Buffalo Bills and, and Kate Otten caught it, if I remember correctly. Was that the right move? Probably not the move I would have made. Okay. <laughs> that's what I wanted to know. That's, that's what. Okay. So, Balky and I were kicking around this running back situation. Uh, at Cleveland, and my football answer was, "Don't, don't try to work these guys in against Seattle because it doesn't really matter because Seattle has blanketed a rushing attack, especially when it's a questionable passing attack." Uh, can you give us a better description, or are we wrong, perhaps, of uh, the uh, Pierre Strong, Jerome Ford, and Kareem Hunt? Well, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I, I you know, prior to the, the Ford news, when it looked like he was going to be out, um, you know, Hunt seemed like a, a good play just because the volume was going to be there. And I, I know I have strong on several lineups. I kind of picked him up as a stash play just in case, um, you know, running backs tend to drop like flies, you know, and so trying to foreshadow who might be, you know, the the waiver wire ad of the week, three or four weeks down the road doesn't always pan out, but that's normally the way I'm looking at the waiver wires, not who's, you know, who's in demand right now. It's who might be, you know, three or four weeks down the road, um, which is why he's sitting on my bench. But now with the, the Ford news that, that he may in fact play, I mean, I, I don't know what to do with that backfield. I, I don't think I'll touch it this week. Okay. Yeah, that's, um, that's good. Yeah, that, that's I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I mean, tough D and, and uncertain touch distribution means, you know, stay away if you can, at least in my mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. Brett, you have been playing fantasy football for a long time. To me, I like as a guy who has Jerome Ford in, I don't know, not double-digit leagues, but pretty close to that, 
I was rooting for him to be held out this week. So the decision was not going to be forced upon me. Cleveland would make the decision for me. He's out. You can't play him this week. Now I don't know. I think you have to have a certain amount of discipline here and understand that even if Ford is active, the temptation is there to play him, but the smart call is probably to sit him. Again, based on what you have on your roster, you may not have a better option, but um, but I, my inclination, even though I own Ford in a lot of spots, I think you want to sit him and see what happens this week so you can make an informed decision in week nine, correct? Correct. Yeah. I mean, I think the probabilities of outcomes of what may happen. Um, I mean, he could be active, play two snaps and realize the ankle's not ready. You know, right. I, I think that's just as likely as having a, you know, a strong game, if not more likely. Um, and to me, the right decision is not playing him, even if that ends up backfire. You know, sometimes the right decision mm-hmm. leads to a bad outcome. That doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. Um, and I think not playing forward, like you said, as long as you have other viable options, uh, is the path this week. I think, uh, trusting the process or excuse me, uh, trusting the pro yeah. Trusting the process and not necessarily the outcome is what we want to look for here. Um, you could make the same case for not, not uh, a running back, but wide receiver. I want to ask you about and Jonathan Mingo, a player that we thought, eh, I shouldn't say we, but a lot of people thought and I'll lump myself into this, that stood a decent chance of being the number one receiver in Carolina for Bryce Young this year. That didn't happen. It's Adam Thielen, and it's Adam Thielen by a landslide right now in Carolina. But when you look at Jonathan Mingo, given the fact that this guy's a rookie, given the fact that some of these guys will start off slow, but the light will turn on, it'll start clicking for them at the end of October, early November, is Mingo a guy that you want to keep on your roster because – he could end up being a flex in the second half of the season or is Mingo's 2023 kind of a wash it's lost. You want to focus on him for 2024. How do you handle Jonathan Mingo for redraft leagues this year? Uh, when, when you look at uh, the, the, the type of talent and output he's bringing to the table, Brad. Yeah. I mean, in honesty, he's been one of the toughest uh, decisions on all of my team because I, I was in that camp. I thought everything kind of aligned for him to have a big, you know, rookie year. Uh, and for whatever reason, in my mind, I was ready to write off, you know, Adam Thielen. Yeah, that has turned out to be completely backwards. Um, but I, I don't know that I, I will drop him. I mean, I think you hold on to him as long as you can. <laughs> on your bench. I mean, there's a number of factors as the season goes on and he gets more accustomed to the offense and things start clicking. Maybe he starts being more productive. You know, Bryce Young, also a rookie quarterback who right now seems to want to throw the ball just to Adam Thielen, you know, a third of the time, roughly. I mean, it's, it's constantly feed it to Adam Thielen. And hopefully as he starts getting more, you know, comfortable and the game slows down, maybe he starts seeing the field better. A lot of maybes in there. But I think the talent is there, and I just don't want to release that guy and, and you know live to regret it in week 11, week 12. Um, so I'm going to hold on to him personally as long as I can justify the roster spot, uh, which probably depends on the, the size of the bench, you know, in yeah. some leagues. So mm-hmm. um, certainly not somebody you can you can stick in your lineup with any level of confidence right now. But I, I want to hold on to him. It makes sense, especially with that quarterback. Let's let's uh, 
Okay, well then let's talk about a rookie receiver where you can can truly see the tracks of your tears because anytime you get involved with the Arizona Cardinals, um, you, you know, drinking and self-doubt and disappointment <laughs> soon follow. But, you know, I was intrigued by Stanford wide receiver Michael Wilson. This this player this this player interested me. It, it now I thought he had a lack of production in college. He reminds me physically of our pal Pittman. He's got that size and he he's agile and can move with it. But I, I was a little surprised that this team drafted him. I was a little disappointed that this team drafted him. What do you think about this player? Because I think you have him rostered in a couple places. Um, you know, 6'2", 230. There's just a lot of gray area in his game. What 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 are your thoughts moving forward now that the quarterback is headed back to his rightful starting position soon? Well, once I got over my knee-jerk reaction to cut him from every team after he torched my Niners um, for the best game of the you know the year and the emotional. Well, he was going home, was like, you know, Stanford versus Niners. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah it's like you can't be on any of my lineups. But yeah. I, I fought the urge. I didn't do it. I just wanted to. Uh, you know, but in all seriousness, I really like the player. Uh, I think that the the opportunities have been there. I mean, I believe he's second in target share right now behind you know Marquise. Uh, Brown, trying to blank on his name for a minute. See, tell you his number, but not his name. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and I, and I think the return of Kyler Murray, which should in, you know lead to higher quality targets, a little bit better office offense efficiency overall, you know, should help him. And he's a player I could really see having a, you know, maybe top thirty uh, second half of the year. Uh, you know, where you you could be very pleased with him heading into fantasy playoffs late in the year. Obviously a lot of things have to align, but he's another young receiver that uh, um, wasn't thrilled with his landing spot either. He was one of my sleepers heading into draft season. And if you look through all of my, you know, teams in those late teen rounds, I have a lot of shares of, of Michael Wilson. Where you could have uh, got Adam Thielen, I point out. Adam I know. Thielen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Adam Thielen. I agree with you. It was, you know, it's just, yeah, a lot of people. I know the the two. This quick side note: the two receivers that I kick myself the most for one for drafting and one for not drafting. Oh, I know, I know, what's coming. I know what's coming. And uh, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. In Washington, what's his number? McLaurin, yeah, good. Curtis Samuel. Uh, no, um, Puka he was a rookie last year. Oh, rookie last year. Wow. In drawing a blank in, in, on his name for the commanders, yeah, not Dotson, right? Dotson, yes, yeah, Whoa. everybody's drawing a blank on Dotson. You Whoa. know what? And, and, yeah, and Brad, this quarterback's mind. forgotten who he is, too. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't worry. This, so, okay, so no, I'm sorry, we need to ex- explore this a little bit right now, Brad. Why you would regret because you will be the first person this season to come on the show. And say you regret not drafting enough no, no, no. Jahan Dotson. He, he, no, he regrets drafting Dotson. Okay, yeah. perfect. Why are you trying to keep up? I, I regret not drafting Thielen. I drafted way too much of Dotson. I, I had high hopes for him. It's a live and, and, podcast. Well, okay. You're a broadcast professional. Yeah, the I, guest I, is trying to keep up. You are yeah. not alone then, Brad. Yeah. You are not alone. There are plenty of people, myself included, 
uh, that have drafted way too much Jahan Dotson this season. And it is what it is. We'll see what happens the second half of the season. It's a long season. We'll see what happens. I want to ask you uh, a couple of questions from the, the chat is, that is going on right now. So, number one, <clears throat> this is coming from, um, I believe, Hudson Kern Reeve. And I have to scroll up here for this one. Um, nope, that's not it. I My apologies on this. Okay, so let's do this. Here, let's do this. Um, Trevor Holt, a uh, guest on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, KFFSC royalty. He wants to know, is Josh Downs more valuable than Michael Pittman right now, knowing that Anthony Richardson is going to be on the shelf for the remainder of the 2023 season and Gardner Minshew is going to be throwing the ball? Would you rather have Downs more than Pittman? And I, I guess, quite frankly, Brad, this factors into what you're doing with starting and, and uh, benching these guys going forward starting this week like downs had a uh, a blowout week in, in week seven Pittman got kind of lucky got that big touchdown against Cleveland um so when you compare downs to Pittman is it a little bit closer than a lot of people are assuming at this point yeah I mean I think it's very close if I had if I had to pick one every week you know which one to start it's tough it's a tough call um you know, I, I like Pittman, uh, he's a little bit more experienced, but you can't deny that Downs has been, um, you know, I can pull up his target distribution, but off the top of my head, I want to think it's been a little bit more consistent than, than Pittman's even. So uh, I really like Downs as a player. Um, I definitely would not be disappointed to, to have him. I think by the nature of the way they use him, he's a little bit more boomer bust. Um, you know, they use him a lot on the deep routes, which means, you know, he connects on a couple of those. He's going to have a huge week or he might put up a two catch for 12 yard kind of day. Um, you know, so, uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I, I don't know that there's a clear leader in my mind. It is a tough one. And we, we this has just become the Pittman show, but I, it, it's, uh, Trevor could have called me and I could have given him the right answer. And then we, but, but having it look, we watched Balky and I said, and I I may have said it more than Balky when we went to when we talked about the, the Baker Mayfield uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. We said, you know, they're going to take away Evans. It's going to leave Godwin open for everything, and we haven't really seen that this year until Thursday night. That's exactly what they did, and I think that's what we saw in the defense when when Downs was available. And you know, when you have a a quarterback like a Minshew and like and and like a Mayfield, uh, and, I, and I like Minshew a little better, but that's a whole other conversation. You 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 try to roll that safety of the number one receiver, take him away, and Downs is open. And not everybody's going to do that. So if you can get into the head of what the DC is going to do for the upcoming opposition, you got your answer. But it, you know, guys play the best player, and Pittman's the best player. Downs a good player, good rookie player. Pittman yeah. is by far the best player. Oh. Trevor. What are you thinking about? Goodness gracious. Well, yeah, yes. And well, Trevor. He's a guest of the show, too. Jesus, I was just going to say, you you got Farrell, uh, like, direct message on text, although yeah, we appreciate you chiming in on the show. Seriously. Yes. Yeah, Thank did. you, Trevor. <laughs> we appreciate that. Um, Brad, another question here in, in Hudson Kern-Reeve, our resident Ivy League professor here tonight, uh, chiming in about Jamison Williams. And this is an interesting play because um, I think a lot of people were excited about drafting Jamison Williams at the start of the season given how depressed his value was. And now you consider the fact that Amon Ross St. Brown is unquestionably the number one receiver, regardless of what's been going on with that Detroit offense this year. And Sam Laporta, 
has stepped up in a big-time way to be the unquestioned number two receiver there. Still have Jameer Gibbs. When you look at Jamison Williams, a guy that Dan Campbell has talked about um, when he was asked about the evolution of Jamison Williams and how fast he's going to get up to speed, I'm paraphrasing here, but Campbell said something to the effect of like, Everybody um, adjusts in their own way, right? Everybody adjusts at their own speed. Obviously saying that Williams is is adjusting at a slower speed than maybe a lot of other first-round picks here. When you consider Jamison Williams on a 12-team, 20-man roster like the FFPC main event, the Fantasy Pros Championship, is he worth keeping around to see if he does show anything by the championship round, by the league playoffs? Is he worth keeping around at this point, Brad? Oh man, I, I the answer for me is no. Um, I mean that I could be wrong, but to me, I think next year is the year, assuming he can stay out of trouble for once, you know, and actually be on the field. But uh, I have a hard time believing in him this year. I mean, I, I think that their offense is pretty well established right now with who the targets are going to, how they're running. Um, you know, the offense and the weapons that they do have. I just have a hard time seeing him crack that, barring injury, of course. Somebody goes down, that can change the whole landscape. But uh, I don't think this is the year for him, in my opinion. I, I think the the other thing, too, is um, to, to understand about Jamison Williams is um, there is a reason that all, the majority of FFPC players and fantasy pros – championship player stayed away from him there is a reason his value to press and we are seeing it at this point uh um in the uh ffpc main event in the fantasy pros championship that you want to keep him around okay that's fine you're doing it at your own risk and it might be to the detriment of the rest of your team going forward so that's where we're at with uh with jameson williams right now um let's uh let's touch on the vikings backfield here brad because what we saw on Monday night was some pretty interesting things. Number one, the 49ers are not God, and they can be beat not once but back-to-back weeks, which is what we saw. Cleveland last week, Minnesota this week. Um, the Vikings running game, which was rated, you know, I don't know, the worst in the NFL, but pretty damn close to being the worst in the NFL. We saw Cam Akers uh, take this rushing offense to a new level, catching the ball, rushing the ball. He looked a lot better than Alexander Madison. When you consider um, your teams, and I don't know what your distribution is with Alexander Madison and Cam Akers right now, but when you consider the state of the running game in the Minnesota Vikings for the Minnesota Vikings uh, going forward, especially against the Packers, uh, one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL, what do you do with Cam Akers this week? What do you do with Alexander Madison this week? I think um, – a lot of people will just be playing Madison because of the matchup, but man, Akers is throwing a monkey wrench into this problem right now. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're both playable this week against that, you know, not so great rushing defense. I think the distribution is is probably going to continue to tilt more towards Akers as we move down the road. I mean, when the deal first happened, that's immediately what I thought. I tried to acquire as much uh, of, of acres as I could, you know, when I watch Madison, I see, and this is the eye test, just what I see a very good complimentary back. I think he's, he's done really well in that limited role, 30, 35% touch distribution, stepping in when somebody goes down, he hasn't done so well 
His, his efficiency is really low as the main guy. He fumbles the ball, you know, which I think is partially what led to them going out and trying to acquire is early in the season. He, he couldn't hold on to the ball. Um, that's slowed down now. I mean, he hasn't had, he seems to have slowed that down a little bit, but mm-hmm. he's not a very explosive player. I mean, I know Cam Akers fell out of favor in, uh, in LA for whatever reason, they had their problems there. He needed to change the scenery. And, and I think when we look back on this and in, I don't know, three or four weeks, we're probably going to see a 70, 30, 65, 35 in the favor of Akers. Um, yeah you know, touch distribution. I just don't know how quickly it's going to get there. You know, I think it's going to be a slow build um, to get to that end end result. Uh, let me ask you this just real quick, Brad. Uh, I, I, and I want to go to the YouTube chat here. And, and I have a follow-up question on what you were just talking about. So number one, uh, Chris Lude, uh, our good buddy here, Lude. wants to know if you would play Josh Downs this week over Tank Dell. Now, Tank Dell, from all reports – um, I don't know if he's clear concussion protocol, but it's basically a formality at this point that this dude is going to be out there against the Carolina Panthers this week. Josh Downs has been crushing it. He's looked very, very good in full PPR formats. Would you, Brad Witt, play Josh Downs over Tank Dell this week? Josh Downs, of course, going up against the New Orleans Saints this week. Who would you start? Oh, Tank Dell. To me, I mean, that's that's a pretty easy one in in my opinion. Um, I'm a big fan of Tank Dell, though. I mean, I think he's a great talent. I love that matchup, you know, considerably more. And we don't know exactly how New Orleans is going to play those those receivers, or you know, how they're going to, um, you know, approach their defensive game plan. But but I love give me some Tank Dell. Um, you know, I, I love that kid. I think he's super talented, and that matchup is great. The biggest problem Tank Dell has, in my opinion, is Nico Collins, you know, the receiver on the other side of the ball right. and who they're yes. going to throw it to any given week. So let, let, let's do this, Brad, here. Uh, another question from Sean Jensen in the YouTube chat. This is a little bit closer. I think this is a tougher call. Um, who do you guys like better? Christian Kirk this week, who is going to be going up against the Steelers in Pittsburgh, or Jacoby Myers? who gets a matchup against the Detroit Lions in the Motor City. Now, if you look at the stats um, over the course of the season, the Steelers have had a lot of difficulty stopping wide receivers this 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 year. Now, um, if you look back at last week, Steelers versus Rams, they did a fantastic job on Cooper Cup. Two catches, three catches, whatever, for less than 40 yards was great. But Puka Nakua had like eight for 150-plus. So for me, Brad, and and you answer this the way that you will, I think Christian Kirk is the number one receiver for Jacksonville. I think he's going to crush it for targets this week, and I think he is the correct play over Jacoby Myers this week. If you only had one roster spot available between Kirk and Myers, who would you play? Uh, I I think I agree with you. It's it's Kirk this week. Um, I think there's a big narrative problem you know, on the Raiders, you know, I, I think that they want to try to force feed Devonte Adams, the ball, you know, he's, he's not been quiet about his displeasure of, of, uh, you know, targets and uh, you know, right or wrong. I think that's going to factor in uh, to the, at least in the short term, I think in the long term that evens out, but you know, historically when a star receiver gripes for, for touches, you know, the next week or two, you, you sort of see a, 
uh, force feed of the ball in their direction, right or wrong. Um, and I do agree that Kirk is the, you know, really the number one. Now, maybe it's Ridley still shaking off some rust and needs a little bit more time to round out or whatever, but just haven't been. I was really impressed by his uh, workout videos in the preseason and the, you know, short clips that we got to see of Ridley, but mm -hmm. his game tape is not looking as good. So I would, I would definitely lean towards Kirk. Um, that was, that was the biggest gimme question, Bucky. Of all history, Kirk. Look, what Kirk, do you want me to say? It's Kirk is an every chat. week start, for goodness sakes. I mean, it, it, and, and he was a steal in the draft. Everybody said, oh, no, Ridley's going to come in and steal. Kirk is over. There was something about, hey, Kirk can't run out of the slot. Now that he's in the slot, he's not going to be productive. It's the biggest bunch of nonsense I've ever heard. Now, here's how you ask this question, Bob. Dom, you came on to the show. As a, a Dom, Brad, you can. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm reading about Dom here, and Dom's got a lot of good input here. But Brad, you came on to the show as a significant backer of Pittman. Then somehow we twisted Downs getting in front of that. Then I think we got Tank Dell in front of him. I'm not sure where we're going to end up. So before we get you down any more crazy paths of wide receivers. Tell us what is your, within your 14th place team, your most difficult decision, how the Brad Whitten mind works. What is your most difficult decision? In this week eight, where Balky reminds us that no teams are on by and your roster is full of talented players, what's your tough move? Um, You know, I, I don't know that any, I, I, in all honesty, I think, you know, the flex with Pittman is my most oh, difficult Pittman decision. Show. It's a Pittman show. <laughs> but but it's not that hard. I mean, he's going in. He's not budging. Um, you know, I, I just have a hard time taking him out of my lineups. But, you know, for the most part, right or wrong, I have my process. I go through and I pick my lineups. And I, I really don't, you know get too caught up in, in tough decisions. Now, maybe some of that is how my teams are constructed as well. Um, you know, the way that I draft is pretty similar. And I think when you look at my team construction, the worst teams that I have that are, you know, so far through this season are teams when I tried to, you know, throw a wrench in my process and say, I'm tired of all my lineups looking similar. I'm going to try something different. And then it backfires. And, and those are the ones that, you know, don't look good. So, um, but, you know, I do think given the matchup, given the quarterback and given the um, rise of downs, Pittman is a, is a tough week to week call. But like I said earlier, he's a guy I don't think I'll ever end up taking out. I think yeah. I'll ponder it time and time again, but when it's all said and done, he's going to be in my, in my flex pondering in Denver, you know, the greatest lineup the nuggets ever had, by the way. Oh, What's that? can I guess, can I what? guess? I want to guess. Go ahead. Kiki Vandeway and Alex English and the other three guys. Those guys could play, but the greatest play that the Denver nuggets ever had that really put them on the map was guard Louis Dampier of Kentucky. Throwing the ball to Dan Issel of Kentucky. Oh, Dan Issel. So Issel and Dampier, both of which who live here in Kentucky and around Louisville. Now, those guys years ago found out how to get from Louisville to Denver. So I want to tell Brad Whitten, you can figure out how to get from Denver to Louisville 
and play in the KFFSC. You can wear your hat backward. You can settle in and talk your numbers. You don't have to know anybody's name because we produce a name tag, which will handle that oh, for you. You should come brilliant. here and play because you are an excellent guy, and I will be looking for you to draft Pittman before the seventh round uh, in, when you get here. Sounds good to me, except maybe the Pittman before the seventh. I don't know about that one. But... Um, so, and, and Farrell, the other thing that, that's important to remember, Issel actually coached the Nuggets, too, after his playing days were mm -hmm. over. Dan Issel, a legend, uh, not only in Colorado, but obviously Kentucky as well. Um, I don't have any emails uh, right now that, that I am seeing in the, the inbox uh, for Brad tonight. So I'm going to let you go into your to your last question, Farrell. And I know, and, and I apologize, we made an amendment to this question last week. We were going to keep it positive, and I forgot to change it in the rundown. But I know you, being the broadcast professional that you are, you will keep this question completely positive for Brad Witten tonight. The question is, how soon can you get to Kentucky? No, Brad, wait. <laughs> the question. The question. And, and I think it needs to have both polar, polar ends of it. Okay. It doesn't have to be on your roster. It has to be any player in football, any player in football. And we can't already have talked about him, especially Michael Pittman. Give me the guy that is your go-to guy this week and give me the sleeper that is your go-to guy. or or, And then give me a guy that you just will not have in your roster. Can't be the Dyson kid from, from, from the foreskins. It's got to be someone that we haven't talked about tonight. a guy you won't touch and a guy that's yeah. really really love well a guy that i really love this week uh ferguson the tight end in dallas mm. okay um you know I'm, I'm really high on him i think you know he had a bad game against the niners but that's a tough you know matchup for tight ends and then the following week, I think it was the Chargers, but he ran the most routes he had run all year and saw, you know, one of the, I don't know if it was the fewest targets, but it was one of. So I think a lot of people are off of him right now. Um, but I think, you know, the Rams are not good. I think they allow the ninth most points to tight ends. Um, and, and that offense needs a jolt coming out of the bye week. And if you watch the tape, he's running open, you know, fairly frequently so i think they find him this week um and uh, he'll definitely be loaded up even in some flex spots in leagues mm. that i have him uh especially in tight end premium leagues um i think he's a really good play uh now a guy that i'm i'm i don't know if i can say i won't touch him just because of where he was drafted uh but dk metcalf um, pretty low on him this week coming mm -hmm. off the injury and, you know, Cleveland, very strong defense who uh, kind of had a letdown last week, you know, ended up in a shootout with the Colts and I know they're on the road, but uh, I think, you know, they're going to be looking to get right this week after a tough defensive performance and that pass rush, um, you know, can be brutal. So I'm not a huge fan of DK Metcalf. Like I said, it's going to be hard not to play just because of, the draft capital that, you know, he, he comes with. So he'll probably end up in a few of my lineups, but, uh, but uh, not, not, not too high on him this week. You know, what's interesting is, is I know there you are not alone in this and being down on Metcalf a little bit, 
Um, not to the point where, hey, everybody's all aboard on ty- the Tyler Lockett train or the JSN train or anything like that. But I know there are a few people down on DK Metcalf this week. Now, that could represent an opportunity for people that, that are watching this show and are listening to it prior to 1 o'clock on Sunday that like, oh, maybe I need to get DK Metcalf in my lineup to try to create some separation. I don't know how much you're going to do that in the main event or the Fantasy Pros Championship. But I know that like even me, like I don't own Metcalf in a ton of leagues, but I do own him in a few. And and Brad, when I look at him this week, he's not a slam dunk uh, start that he has been in early September, late September. I'm thinking hard and long about this, and I think you might have shifted the tides on whether I played DK Metcalf this week uh, for sure. Um, And who better to take advice from, ladies and gentlemen? than the 14th place team owner in the FFPC main event, a guy that is gunning for a seven-figure grand prize looking for that million-dollar payday coming up in early yes. January. Uh, Brad, cannot thank you enough for hopping aboard tonight. So much fun, uh, very informative, very entertaining, as uh, as we like to keep it on this show. You failed to disappoint. You were awesome. Oh, you were we wish you the best of luck. May the ball bounce your way in week eight and going forward. We will continue to follow you. On the X machine at Brad Witten CPA. Thank you so much for hopping aboard tonight, dude. Be good. Yeah, thanks, guys. A lot of fun. So it, it. it was a pleasure. Brad Witten, the 14th place team owner in the FFPC main event. Wow, what a guy as uh as we move forward the, with the show. And we're already after uh eleven o'clock Eastern time tonight, Farrell. So we gotta fly through uh through this the best we can. Um, can we just go over and say we did? No, we can't. We, I want to help out, I, I want to help out the people. I want, well, let's help out the people. Well, you know, it, it, now I've been helped out tremendously by Dominic tonight. And I got to point this out here. Hudson yep. Kern Reed said something that I don't understand, which usually puts me into research mode. But Dominique says, I agree, Hudson. So whenever I don't understand what, what Kern Reed is saying, that's just what you do. You just say, I agree with that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's yeah, true. Yeah. What, what can you do? Agree with the Ivy League guy. It is yeah, that's right. Uh, Jim, I also agree with that Ferguson thing. I thought that was a very, very good answer. Yeah, it's true. To what Um, you know is sort of a off the wall question. um, Okay, I'll be quiet. No, you don't have to be quiet because I need you to talk here. Jim, Jim in San Diego, California, has a decision this week in the FFPC Fantasy Pros Championship. He's only got one roster spot for either Michael Mayer or Trey McBride. Farrell, I think the the easy analysis here, and I'm not saying it's the wrong analysis is to play Trey McBride, given the fact that Zach Ertz is on IR. There is a non-zero chance, according to Jonathan Gannon, the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals that we heard this afternoon, that Kyler Murray could be in action this week. I don't think it happens this week, but it certainly is possible as we record this on Friday night. Who would you rather play? Michael Mayer, a guy that the Raiders seem insistent on getting involved in the game in the first quarter, Mm -hmm. and then after that, forgetting about completely. Or Trey McBride, a guy who's going to get all the tight end touches for the Cardinals this week because Ertz is out. Yeah, and he he's a second-year player who is, who's coming into his own without being challenged at the position. Uh, there are there's still other tight ends, Hooper, Hopper, Hooper, uh, there in, in the Raiders. For a team that – and if you watch the Raiders play Chicago last week and uh, get, get uh, pummeled by a rookie quarterback, you can't have a lot of confidence in getting too much removed from – Jacobs, Myers, and uh, Devontae. 
All right, so Kern is piping in here. Just because you sunk a lot of money into something doesn't mean you should deploy it if it does not maximize future payoffs, Farrell. So a couple of things to point out on this. But how is it tied to the Concord? I, I get that, but the Concord. Is he, what's he talking about the Concord? Is he talking about the airplane? What's what he talking about there? I don't know. The, you know what's crazy is is I was up in Green Bay uh, this afternoon, uh, right by the Austin Straubel Airport, where all the teams flying in, like the Minnesota Vikings, who were taking on the Packers this weekend, and they had the jets, like the fighter jets, uh, flying off doing like test runs or or whatever today. And Farrell, I've never seen this before, where the jets are flying off above my head, and you always talk about the sound barrier. I see them fly above my head. I'm like, God, I thought it'd be louder. Boom. Four seconds later, whoosh, like it was insane. Like it was crazy. Very everybody cool. outside the sports book in Green Bay where I was at, like everybody was had their phones out. They were recording. It was it was absolutely insane. I've never seen anything like it before. Um, I'll tell you another thing I've never seen in recent memory before is a guy like C.J. Stroud, the guy who was drafted the second mm. overall pick in the NFL draft in 2023, just absolutely crushing it this year and, and turning it on. I, I Farrell, remember his preseason? Everybody was so down on this guy. They said he, he's not going to put it together this year, maybe ever. And he is is the de facto rookie of the year front runner right now. Mm-hmm. He has looked awesome so far. I said on the Better Sports Network last night on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, you could make a strong case for starting him this week against the Carolina Panthers over Joe Burrow who is taking on the San Francisco 49ers this week on the left coast. I think there is a case to be made for C.J. Stroud not being a slam dunk starter this week, but a guy that you should strongly look at as probably starting over, again, players like Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, um, uh, Russell Wilson, uh, and and to this uh, um, emailer's question here, he has the situation, uh, does uh, Joe in Montgomery, Alabama, um, Matthew Stafford or CJ Stroud. Oh. I'm saying Stroud here against the Panthers over Stafford. What say you, Farrell? That's an that's an easy one. Uh the Rams travel to Dallas with the Cowboys coming off of a bye week. That defense primed and ready to go. Um, uh, all right, to more importantly, CJ Stroud. Yes, uh, he's playing behind an offensive line that's coming together and playing better every day after three to four week point of the season, you and I talked about how he was developing with the tight end and the tight end now has, I think in FFPC scored 17 and 20 Mm -hmm. uh, in the last two weeks. Uh, The fact that he lets the long strider Collins develop into the routes and get downfield is the fact that he's playing in a clean pocket. If you watch the game uh, against almost every team, He's basically settled and very, very comfortable. He goes through the progressions and he reads very well. Our guest, Mr. Whitten, is correct uh, that Tank Dell would be an excellent start because I think um, I think Stroud throws three touchdowns this week. If you look at Carolina, they cannot pressure the ball, and they just lost my favorite player on that defense to injured reserve, Jeremy Shin, uh, number 21, Mr. Whitten, Chin. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's let's really like C.J. Stroud, and let's put let's start him over everybody after uh, Herbert. Draw the I, line under Herbert and start him over everybody else. I, yeah, I mean, there's 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 so much to love about C.J. Stroud this week that I think that, um, you know, it, it, and it's a weird week, Farrell. We it don't is. have anybody on by. 
Brock Purdy is really the only guy in injury consideration this mm-hmm. week. But my God, Stroud is such a good start this week, and not a lot of people are going to be playing him, especially if you're trying to make up ground in the FFPC main event, the Fantasy Pro Championship, the KFFSC main event. Stroud is a good way to do it this week because not a lot of people are going to be playing him for sure. So I am with you 100% on that. Let's go to, um, let's see, who are we going to here with this question on Madison or Pierce? Um, It is, uh, no, that's not it. no, God, I can't read it. John in Humboldt, Minnesota. I'm sorry, John. My apologies on this. So he's got a question here. He's got Alexander Madison going up against Packers in Lambeau, or he could play Damian Pierce from the Texans, a guy who a lot of people have been frustrated with, a lot of people who have drafted him high. I know I drafted him high in a couple of leagues. I've been disappointed this, this year. Um, you love playing Madison this week because of the uh, low-ranked Packers rushing defense. But you got to consider a couple of things with Madison. The rise of Akers, what we saw on Monday night, and the fact that um, uh, the Vikings seem to be on the come-up a little bit. And Damian Pierce, a guy who is seeding touches to Devin Singletary this week. What say you, Farrell? Who would you play this week? Would you play Alexander Madison against the Green Bay Packers, or are you rolling with Damian Pierce on the road against the lowly Carolina Panthers? This decision makes me want um, to tell the Humboldt Flash that in 2024, the FFPC will be drafting at Planet Hollywood the weekend after Labor Day because mm-hmm. we need to already start planning for next year. Boy, I hate this this situation, but Pierce is my obvious choice here. He's going to cut loose uh, when when. When the Texans can get ahead on the road, they're going to attempt to shorten this game, and Pierce is going to be the key to that. So that is the easy, that is the easy play. Boy, Madison looked good early in the start of last week's game, um, but yeah, let's let's go with Pierce. You're gonna go with Pierce. I'm gonna go with Pierce as well because I I loved what I see uh, from from Cam Akers when I was watching that game on on Monday Night Football. So I think that uh, that Pierce is the right play here. The final question, and we touched on this a little bit, and Farrell, this is going to test your mettle on how strong you feel about Josh Downs here. Okay. Um, this is a question that we are receiving right now uh, from um, Ray. Uh, no, not Ray. Uh, yeah, no, it is Ray. I'm, I apologize. Ray in um, Long Beach, California. Mm. He is asking right now, what do we think about this starting uh, matchup this week between Josh Downs uh, who we talked about several times tonight, Josh Downs, who is going up against the um, uh, New Orleans Saints mm-hmm. in uh, Indianapolis mm-hmm. at Lucas Oil Stadium. Absolutely. Or his other question, or his other option here is DeAndre Hopkins, who is at home against the Arthur Smith-led Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, and we thank you for the email, obviously, like, on the surface, you're like, okay, well, you're playing Hopkins over Downs for sure. But the last few weeks... Man, Downs has been really good, um, and I don't know what's going to happen with Hopkins this week given the fact that we don't have Ryan Tannehill. We're going to have Malik Willis and Will Levis, maybe a combination of the two, maybe one or the other. Either way, it's a downgrade from Tannehill. What do you think? Is Downs good enough to start over Hopkins this week? When you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks, Balky, and Hopkins has not been doing well with any of the quarterbacks uh, there in Tennessee. And it's difficult to put a player like that on the pines, but you know what? Josh Downs... Um, 
But it, this will be a difficult matchup. The Colts will have to the Colts will have to pace New Orleans, which is, you know, what New Orleans is getting done between the twenties. Uh, is if they ever get it worked out in the red zone, they're going to score a lot of points. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with Downs in this game. It has nothing to do with Hopkins. It has everything to do with the quarterback that uh, uh, play that we'll see in Tennessee, and maybe Derrick Henry throws four or five passes. Yes. That's the other now now the question is is he gonna get on the field over Ty J Spears to throw yeah. those passes? Well, there's a there's a lot of uh there's there's a lot of rumors about uh trades of various players um uh, coming out of uh coming out of Tennessee. Our uh um our friend Rand Carthon will have a very interesting weekend. Now, are you friends with Rand Carthon? You say our friend. I'm not friends with him. You're you friends, friends with everybody, no, Bob. No, you're you're it. actually beloved. Um, Rand's father, uh, Maurice, who Maurice played Carthon. for the Giants. Yep. Uh, Maurice uh, roomed with a client of mine named uh, Rick Fishback, and uh, we were all pals. And I can remember uh, Rand when he was running around in diapers. But yeah, we we've we've done um, we've done a little bit of business over the years. You know, he's part of that 49er tree. Yeah, yes. Uh, you know, he's uh, he knows what he's doing. That Tennessee team's gonna look better in the future than it looks today. Um, the uh, the victory that we are purporting to you tonight is everything you could imagine here. Um, for your week eight, uh, eight lineups have been answered. Every question you possibly could think of, um, has been answered, except for no, maybe Roderick's. Roderick, I was gonna say, except for one, Farrell, there's one question we oh, haven't answered. I'm tonight. sorry. And we're going to go with Roderick Dobson's question here. What do you think of Alec Pierce as a sleeper wide receiver with Gardner Minshew at quarterback? Um, my answer to this, and I'm not trying to be harsh on this, Roderick. Uh, what do I think about Alec Pierce this week? Not much. Um, yes, he is a sleeper. Is he a sleeper that gets woken up? I'm not so sure. I think you should be looking elsewhere other than Alec Pierce this week. I think it's fun to start him, but man, Farrell, I'm I'm not seeing the return here. Your one expectation about this team is that they have no viable receiving consistent tight end. So you think a big player like Pierce over the middle uh, would get some action. However, we'll end the show on Pittman, who runs the same type of crossing routes that Pierce does. But Pierce is a if you have. Mr. Roderick, if you are fortunate enough to play in the FFPC and have um, uh, dynasty teams, Mr. Pierce is a very attractive yeah. stash and keep player. Yeah, I would I would do that as well. I mean, and he'll he'll have a bulky. Alec Pierce will have a twenty point game before the season's over. Yeah, but it, the the question is, when does he do it? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it's it. It's like on that roulette wheel. I know black is coming, Bucky. I just know it's coming. I just but, but to your point, in 2024, that roulette wheel with Alec Pierce will be easier to read. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. we'll we'll figure things out with Alec Pierce going forward. We'll figure things out going forward uh, after Week Eight, which is going to be underway here mm. on Sunday morning. No London game, no That's Germany game. It's going to be great. No, it's not a disappointment. I've been, you know, I like those Monday morning games. Okay, well, here's the thing, I, and I'll say this, like, and I don't want it because we're way over right now. But I'll say this: yeah. I like from a football fan standpoint, I love the fact that I can go to church on Sunday morning, I can get home, I can dial up whatever London game is going on, and as a result, I can watch uh, NFL football for basically 14 hours on the day. It's fantastic. Yeah. Now, the problem is, 
when you have two teams or even one team playing in Europe early and I have to make early lineup decisions, I don't like that, Farrell, at all. 100%, I do not like that. And uh, if it's two bad teams that I don't have to concern myself with, okay, that's fine. Um, and, I, and then I love watching the, the games, obviously. So there, from a football, from a NFL fan standpoint, I love it. From a fantasy football standpoint, I'm not upset to not be able to see it this weekend for sure. If there's anything like last weekend, I just may go out to the airport and look at the planes. <laughs> uh, Farrell Elliott is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. You check out the KFFSC at KFFSC.com, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. I'm Farrell, I, I don't know if you noticed this. I might be having my best season ever in the KFFSC. Yeah. You've Based been on, impressive, sir. Like, it's, it's been good so far. I know it, I don't want to jinx it. It's been good so far. Long season to go, and I'm excited to do it. I love playing it. I love playing the, uh, the KFFSC. I know everybody else loves playing the FFPC, and hopefully we helped you with your lineups tonight. Farrell, be good. We will talk with you again one week from today. See you then, buddy. Farrell Elliott, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. You follow him on the X KFFSC official. Of course, check out the KFFSC at KFFSC.com, including all the great leagues and the party that he is going to have for the big game Sunday coming up in February. Plenty of 2024 drafts going off that day. And you can check out the Super Bowl live from the Caesar Sportsbook in Southern Indiana. It's going to be a lot of fun. That is going to complete tonight's show. I want to thank Brad Witt and Farrell Elliott the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and of course, each and every one of you for watching. We will be back next week at 10 o'clock Eastern time with another great guest getting you set for week nine of the FFPC main event, Fantasy Pros Championship, and all your FFPC uh, uh, fantasy football leagues. Uh, in case you missed it, Tuesday's Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown featured 17-time FFPC league winner Ray Chung. Uh, you can watch that on any of the FFPC social, uh, socials via Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. It's all on there. You can watch that back. And then, of course, we will return this uh, Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern time with 11th place team owner in the Fantasy Pros Championship, Chris Lajawa. He is going to join me on that program. We're going to talk about Week 9, everything you need to know for that. In case you missed it, watch last night's hand, uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football show on the Better Sports Network presented by the FFPC again on any of the Better Sports Network socials, as well as the FFPC socials. We had on Fantasy Football Today's Doug Orth, who one of my favorite guys out there, knows his stuff. He's been playing high-stakes fantasy football for more than 20 years, never had a losing season. you got to love that. So check out that show. This coming Thursday, we will go live again from 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, check that out, too. It's, it's a great lead-in for Thursday Night Football, Fantasy Football Night in America. Uh, we get you set for the Thursday night game. We have a lot of fun doing it, including setting you up for the better cast on the Better Sports Network during the Thursday night football uh, 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 program on Amazon. And you can win a ton of uh, points and tickets towards a lot of great uh, M NFL sign memorabilia and collectibles. Um, if you uh, hang out with us on the better cast, I've been doing it for basically all season. It's a lot of fun. So check that out. Better sports network uh, is where we're at BetterNetwork.com, And of course, any of the FFPC socials go to myffpc.com to play the FFPC weekly challenge in week eight, no draft, no salary cap. Just choose the 10 or 12 players that you want to roll with in week eight. 
Again, 10 players if you want to play without kickers and defenses, 12 players if you want to play with kickers and defenses. That is going on at myffpc.com. Win up to $2,500, just $35 to enter. And, of course, remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified anytime we go live on the FFPC YouTube channel, which will be, again, Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown with Chris Lajawa. Can't wait for that. Hopefully the ball bounces your way in week eight, everybody. Thanks so much for watching, and we will talk with you again on Tuesday night. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. You know, I, I always don't... If you know me, I, I, I'm a very positive guy. I want to keep everything positive, and I hate to end the show on a downer, but I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't bring this up tonight. Um, one of my best friends from high school, um, who I spent a ton of time with over my formative years, even after high school, uh, over at his house in Appleton, Wisconsin, Northeast Wisconsin, um, uh, he lost his mother uh, in, in, a, in a very bizarre sequence of events where um, she was having chest pains on um, Monday evening uh, this past week, got airlifted from Northeast Wisconsin down to Milwaukee for a rare um, heart defect that she had in her aorta. Um, she was able to say goodbye to her family before she boarded the helicopter um, down to Milwaukee, um, but she actually passed away on that helicopter ride. And uh, she was basically kind of a second mom to me growing up, um, you know, from ages, you know, 13 on, um, and even into my mid and late twenties, uh, made a huge impact on my life. Tremendous individual, uh, a woman that um, I think that uh, no matter who she came across, regardless of of, of age or, or her relationship to them um, made an impact, a positive impact on their lives. And we already miss her uh, very, very much. And so I want to give a shout out to her. Uh, Jenny Osmond, you are missed already. Um, we love you. Uh, and, and we can't wait to see you again on the other side. Thank you for the impact that you've had on each and every one of our lives. And we will talk with you again uh, at some point um, uh, in, uh, in this lifetime or the next. Uh, and uh, I would encourage everybody, I know this doesn't make a difference to you because you didn't know her, but she was a tremendous individual. We all have tremendous individuals in, in, in our lives. Hug them, kiss them, tell them how much they mean to, to you uh, going forward because you never know when that last opportunity is going to come. The ball uh, hopefully will bounce your way in week eight. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. We'll talk with you on Tuesday night. Uh, have a good night. Your weekend starts now. <laughs>